for all the current folks, it's like the upside down. It's just on the other side of, <laughs> yeah, this, <okay. laughs> of this stone fence. Welcome back to another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And Chasley and Sam are here to review V.E. Schwab's latest book. This is not the first time you've reviewed a Schwab book together, right? Didn't you do we did The Invisible the Life, Life of, of Oh yeah, the Addie, Invisible Addie LaRue, Life yeah. Of LaRue, yes. Yes. I love uh, doing podcasts with Sam because I feel like his like deep kind of calm voice is really like good match for like my like caffeinated chipmunk voice and so it just the frantic energy yeah, especially of your Schwab reviews. Yeah, I know we've done like a few of these together. I don't know for some reason we keep getting put to, put together because I'll admit that my number one person I go to anytime I want a book that's I'm gonna enjoy is usually Chasley. She's yet to let me down. I'll get, I get really enthusiastic about like books I like to read. I'm like, okay, I'll tell you about them. Yeah, let me leave you a list. <laughs> I have just Chasley recommend on my audiobook list right now. <laughs> but tell us about, is it Gallant or Gallant? It's Gallant. I had okay. to listen to her, an interview with her just to be sure. I know Kim, my wife, had listened to the audiobook. And I was yesterday, I was like, how do you say it? She was like, I don't. And I was like, was it this or this? She's like, it's Gallant because that's what they say on the audio book. Because <laughs> that's like, what they Great. say. So tell us about it. It is a, it All is right. a teen so, book, right? Yes. Yeah, so we, we come to meet Olivia, who is a young, four, well, young teenage girl who is around, I think she's 14 in the book. She is yeah. living in a home for girls. She had been left as an orphan when she was but, but a mere child. But a, but a small child. <laughs> At a, a mysterious letter shows up calling her back to her family's home. She find, Her family finds her, and she has to go back. And that's where she goes to Gallant is the name of the home. And she meets the remaining family member and goes on an adventure through the house and through, an through dimensions and things of that nature. She's also mute. She can hear. She's a great artist, but she mm-hmm. cannot speak. And she does not know why she's never been able to speak or okay. make sounds. Now, is this, you said, traveling through dimensions, exploring the house? Are we talking Lion the Witch? in the wardrobe. <laughs> Not really. 10,000 doors of January. <laughs> There's just like apparently the no, it's kind of covered pretty quickly, I guess. That there is a the, I guess like the scene between the shadow kind of the, you know, for for all the current folks, it's like the upside down, it's just on the other side of <laughs> yeah, this okay. of the stone fence. I appreciate the reference. That way that was an easier way line which in the wardrobe probably a lot of You call me old Sam. I, man, a like, lot of younger kids <laughs> won't understand your dated references. You the, the upside down is like everyone's like eight, all ages, like, yeah, yeah, upside down. But it is a lot like that because it is like the mirror image of the place, but just the shadow version. And is the shadow version bad or is it just shadowy? No, it's it's super creepy. Okay. And evil. Yeah, see, I never made the Stranger Things reference till right this moment. I'm like, yeah, there's kind of a lot of parallels about like the, the bad. There you go. V. Schwab probably also watched Stranger Things during during the pandemic. In this, does it have a name? This place, the shadow. It's just like the no. She just you go side of the gate. Yeah, and it's the same exact house and just in a state of disrepair. And you know the garden's dead and things of that nature. Do people inhabit this other side of the gate? That's where you read the book. No. There are also, I guess, another interesting thing that kind of goes along with this, that not to give away anything beyond the gate, but you find out pretty quick, is that Olivia does have the ability to see ghouls like dead people. Oh. 
And she usually only sees like parts of them. Like they never see the entire body. She's like, this person, you know, this ghoul, I can see their eyes and like their teeth and like part of a shoulder. That's mm-hmm. creepy. But so she's just like, and she, you, if you look directly at them, they disappear and things like that. So that's an interesting ability she has. But it also hints to a lot of the, the wall and her family's tie to Gallant. So tell us about Olivia as like a protagonist. A lot of a lot of stuff is happening for a 14 year old. How does she how does she face this? Is this something that she is excited about? Is this something that she feels like she has to do? So she's had this journal of her mom's her whole life. And it's like the only thing that she has. She didn't even know her mother's name, just that it started with a G because that was on the cover of the journal. And so she has this kind of obsession with like, like she's read the whole thing so many times. And, and so like this opportunity to like find out more. She doesn't even know for sure if her mom's alive or dead just that she's been here in this this home for girls and so she that seems to be like her driving force when she gets to Gallant. she's like well first of all i want to leave this horrible orphanage and second of all like i might get to actually find out some more about my family's mysterious history exciting and her relative that calls her back is dead and has been for a long oh, time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a downer. But she does find arrive to find his son still there. So. Okay. Hey, He's a know. jerk. Yeah. Yeah. He has his moments. He's you know. troubled. He's troubled. So before we got on air, uh, Sam mentioned a Matthew and a Thomas. How do they factor so, in the story? Thomas is the cousin. I know. I'm he like, sounded like a ghoul. I know. <laughs> I, I'm just terrible. Like I within. I mean, I just finished reading this book. Like I said, I've been read it pretty quickly, but like just finished it, and already all the names outside of Olivia and Grace left. are just gone. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't tell you. Like who's this person? Like it's like Meredith. No, not Meredith. I don't. Matthew is the is the cousin who is living at Gallant, and his younger brother it was his younger brother Thomas is lost behind the wall. So what's the vibe of this book? We've got an upset down. We've got a girl's orphanage. We've got estranged family members who are jerks, who are who are possibly jerks or just troubled. <laughs> you know, and even even Olivia, you know, she's got that. If anyone's ever seen Annie, she's got that kind of hard knock life kind of <laughs> experienced <laughs> young orphan <laughs> who's come in and just, you know, she's a little weary. She's not your she's like a world weary. She's like a world weary 14 year old. She's more like a 50 year old. Just like I've done it all. I've seen like all this stuff. Just like go I've through the slaved wall, in a Thomas. kitchen for years. <laughs> so she's got that, which helps. So, it, you know, it makes it where despite being a teen book, it it can speak across multiple age groups because it is a world weary. She knows what it's like to work 60 hours a week chopping vegetables and do all this, <laughs> and, you know. So the last book, to my knowledge, that Schwab released was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, mm-hmm. right? Was there anything else that came between them? I don't believe so. And that one was a mega hit. It was how, so good. How does this book compare? I don't like it as much. I, I, I don't really like the whole fairy tale vibe. And I also feel like there wasn't as much humor in this book as there is in some of her other ones, even like her more serious, like darker stories. And, and I think part of it is that like she starts off in this orphanage and it's, it's developing her character and her relationship to the people around her is like really interesting at first. She plays like this horrible trick on this other girl who had like torn a page on her diary. And like there's this like, I don't know, this like kind of like great start. And then she immediately leaves. And I just don't like anything that came after as much as I liked that intro part of her and that interaction with the other girls in the home. And we were kind of talking about before we went on air how this book was written during the pandemic. And I think there is some evidence of that in some of the storytelling. 
Yeah, I think you can feel definitely like it's it's definitely like said like a darker book than which despite dealing with the devil and everything in Ada Larue, like this is a darker you know less yeah the devil in Ada Larue was a hottie so right, yeah. <laughs> does it count when they're hotties? <laughs> but at the same time, like you know, I I really I guess I really didn't I trying to think which one I enjoyed more. I liked even the brooding male character in this one was far better than the one in Addie LaRue. But I do like Addie way more than I liked Olivia. Yeah, I was going to ask how she compared as a protagonist. But at the end of the thing, it's, you know, it's apples and oranges. But, you know, Addie was a cooler, more defiant figure where, I don't know, man, Olivia was always kind of like, okay, you know, I'm doing this. <laughs> she seemed like, you know, everything did develop rather slowly and you spent a lot more time. And again, part of it's being mute. Like you spent a lot more time in her head and dealing with the frustration of poor communication and things like that. Yeah, that is true. But the the overarching theme of the book is that you can't defeat death. You can only keep it at bay for so long. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, there's one thing we've learned in the last two years is that the only best you can do is try to keep death at bay as long as possible. So how does Olivia... Olivia? Olivia. Yeah. I, how does Olivia communicate with people in this book? So she can sign. Okay. But that only helps when there's somebody around her who, who understands. understands sign. Yeah. And so there is one woman who had been at the orphanage who had left, and they gave her a chalkboard with a string around it to put around her neck. And she's Oof. like, no. There is somebody at Gallant who can sign, but when that person isn't around, she's left either you know trying to find something and write it down, trying to sign. She, actually, Meth is unable to read. My, oh, no. The <laughs> he describes it sounds a lot like dyslexia. But yeah. Never use the word. And so she finds herself drawing pictures a lot to try to communicate with him. Though, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you can get a look across a lot with your facial expressions. And I imagine some hand signs. Yeah. <laughs> so not nice ones sometimes. I also like that there's no romance in this book. Just because yeah. I hardly ever come across that. It is nice, especially in a teen book. To have something, especially like a fantasy-esque teen book, to not have someone be like, and then I fell in love. Now kiss. Yes. Now oh, I kiss. There were some frightening moments where you're thinking, because it's just her and her cousin. And this oh, gosh. Couple. And you're just kind of like. Is she going to fall in love with her cousin? Like, at a piano where you're like, oh, please don't go here. Please <laughs> Please don't. And it was kind of like, okay, cool. No, they just handled it. Like, they still are. There's a good deal of animosity between them. It is really funny that teen books have such a, just a reputation for there being probably problematic relationships at some point, especially if there's like a troubled boy. Like, you know, at some point they're like, I can fix them with love. That even cousins, you're like, I don't know. They, she, maybe. Maybe. Spoiler, she doesn't fix him with love. Yeah. That's okay. I respect Here's the thing, guys. You probably won't fix them with love. I'm just telling you now. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's there. If you're really digging for romance, there's a tiny bit like between her parents, but that's very just like (laughs) this happened and, you know, here's this. They're already in a relationship, so that's that's okay. (laughs) But let's move on to progressing the plot. So it's there. So if you really want it, if you need a relationship, someone to be in a relationship, there is a. (laughs) There's just a taste of that. A single couple. They have a child, so you kind of assumed. So I want to revisit the other side of the gate without like giving away too many spoilers, but can you, is it limited to just Gallant or does it have like a larger scope? That's all you really see is Gallant in the grounds, I believe. Okay. Yeah, okay. but you're led to believe through just the way they've described it and the way the family described it that it probably extends. Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, 
you're at that seam. Yeah. Can you tell me something about it that makes it feel particularly unsettling or creepy or different from the regular side? The, the regular world. <laughs> well, everything that is good here, like the the mansion, which it's getting older on our side and kind of somewhat in disrepair, but it would be like comparing some of the stuff we have in our building as it grows older to dilapidated, falling apart, floorboards flip, slip, you know, yeah. Silent apart. Hill vibes. Yeah. So when you go over there, like there's this beautiful garden and when you on the one side of the wall and when you cross over, it's the same exact garden, but everything is dead. Oof. So it's just everything. There's a big statue that in the front of the, you know, in front of mm-hmm. the manor and on the other side, it's collapsing and like the arms falling off and things like that. So it's just. So is the other side, is it, there's a hallmarks of like spooky places and those hallmarks are generally like, of course, dilapidation, but also like eternal darkness and like spooky creatures like do you get that kind of or is it just like a a barren wasteland and that's the creepy part the thing that she harps on the most about it is just that it's dead silent that there's nothing there's nothing it's terrible (laughs) you know there's no animals around or things of that nature the only thing she harps on quite a bit is the fact that it's dead silent so anytime she moves or does anything like it's horribly audible to everything mm-hmm. around her so it's kind of is olivia's ability to see ghouls is it only active on one side of the gate or the other or can she see them or this is places? where the ghouls live <laughs> this is she can see them in both places okay <laughs> so what's your overall feelings about this book in comparison to her other books because i know both of you have read multiple Schwab books. I think you were you were given the London one, Darker yeah, yeah, Shade of Magic. Darker Shade of Magic was yeah. the first one that Chesley recommended. And mm-hmm. you know, like anything, I usually am loath to, to like fantasy books. Like I mm-hmm. do not like them. I don't like. I don't want to learn all this stupid world and all this. Like I just want a story. <laughs> I'm actually the same way. And but she's a brilliant writer, and the fact that she's able to weave in the world building with it as the narrative's mm-hmm. happening, without it being, you know, I mean, now like, let me set up this world for yeah. you. For you don't yeah. four chapters. You don't open it up to see a full scale map, like similar to a map of uh, the United Mordor. States of America, <laughs> right? And then you, like a bunch of family trees where they're like, you have to know all of this before you start reading the story. <laughs> yeah, it's kind There's of no the, study guide. <laughs> you know, to bring the Tolkien thing into it. Where it wasn't like there's the first like quarter of the book is just world building mm-hmm. or like a lot of these books you get that are like 800 pages and the story doesn't even start till 250 pages in <laughs> you know it's where thank you Peter Jackson for saving us all that time have someone come in and throw a book at me one day if they hear this oh yeah there's gonna be protests but <laughs> she's great in like I said weaving the world building into the narrative to where you don't have that more it's not like you have to go to college for take a three hour course to understand the narrative that comes after <laughs> And I think that a lot of the way that she does that, too, is by having, like, normal world characters. And so, like, she has somebody who's involved in the magical world who is just briefly try- enough trying to explain what's going on to the normal world character to be able to get on with what they're doing. Yeah. And so, like, they're like, okay, one, two, three, here's the basics. The rest of it you get as you come along, and then they're off. And <laughs> I, I like that. And the reader's like, okay, now I get it, too. <laughs> right. We're learning by immersion. Mm -hmm. I I confessed that I had listened to an interview with her so that I would know how to pronounce the title. And so one of the interesting...
interesting things that she said was that the gate had been with her for a really long time. She, at one point she saw a wall with a gate, a locked gate in it, but like you could walk around both sides of the wall and there was nothing, there was nothing there. I've always yeah. liked stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so she's like, that idea went, came with me for a long time before I knew what would be on the other side of the gate in my story. And she mentions it in the acknowledgements too. She's like, I had that gate. <laughs> Everything else I had to figure out. <laughs> I knew it was going to come in handy one day. <laughs> and that was, was good because she said it took her years to deliver this after, which I guess, yeah, Eddie LaRue's been a while. Yeah. So, you know, she said, thank you for being patient because it took her years to find Olivia. She had the gate. So, and so I think it was worth the wait. I, I enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. I'm always so excited to see what she's going to come out with next. Oh, yeah. And it's also, it's always all different. Yes. You know, I have my fingers crossed for the next Cassidy Blake book, her juvenile series mm-hmm. about this girl who can see ghosts. Very similar, I guess, to this, except for not at all. And so it's <laughs> it's much more, much, much funnier. And also, you know, for a younger audience. Uh, mm-hmm. But oh, man. So good. All right. That's all the questions I have. Yeah. Thank you both for joining us again to review Schwab's latest title. And stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye.